Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. After looking at churches that were singing the songs of fools, specifically songs by Billie Eilish, U2, Guns N' Roses, and Led Zeppelin, Good Fight Ministries wanted to take a look specifically at leaving behind those songs of fools and then coming to a place of worship. So with me today to discuss this very topic is none other than the, uh, none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and the pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Praise the Lord. Good to be with you guys. Uh, we're looking forward to getting to the subject because it's important. We don't just, just say, hey, there's the darkness. We want to say, hey, look to the light and let's deal with the Lord's will is. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Same verse. So, hey, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, lasciviousness, you know, wickedness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is really cool because that's in the context of putting off the old man, putting on the new man, Church of Ephesus, those in, in the city of Ephesus, those Christians there, uh, many of them were involved in pagan music, and they were supposed to leave that behind. And Paul emphasizes putting off the old man there in Ephesians 4, uh, same with the Church of Colossae, and putting on the new man. And then in the Church of Ephesus and the Church of Colossae, I think it's very fascinating. When you look at those two letters, we see both of them emphasize uh, what it means to put on the new man, and both of them emphasize new music and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That was revolutionary. They were supposed to pick up the, the scripture and say, okay, man, here's the book of Psalms. We need to uh, sing spiritual songs now, hymns and what have you. And what did that mean? And uh, are we doing that today? Are we singing the scripture? Because when you look at the book of Psalms, it's packed with the word of God. In fact, many of the Psalms are quoted in the New Testament and are prophetic of not only uh, Messiah and all about righteousness and so forth, but also prophetic of uh, the coming Antichrist kingdom in Psalm 2 and so forth. And so we're supposed to be deeply into God's word and singing the word of God. No, amen. And one of the things, as Joe mentioned already, we want to be specific about, hey, it's not just about let's point out and show like these things are wrong. It's it, We're supposed to be teaching one another, admonishing one another with, as Joe mentioned, the Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart, you know. And so... We want to make sure that we also express that light and, and say, hey, this is what we think is beautiful when it comes to your service to God, this acceptable sacrifice that you now give to the Lord. But before we get into that, I think maybe tying alongside yourself and with me, um, just the idea of coming out of, as we talked about, that wickedness and then coming to a place where now you have that heart change. So you've gone from the songs you sing, you wrote music, I just listened to it, but nonetheless, the things that I meditated on were against God. All of it was anti-Christ. And so you come to a place, and as the title of the show, Leaving the Songs of Fools, Leaving Those Things Behind, will maybe give a little bit of just a an understanding of where we came from in terms of actually leaving those songs behind and coming to a place where our hearts want to sing praises to God rather than blaspheme against Him. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, admonition right there because when we were looking at the Scriptures last week and it talks about the Songs of Fools, uh, we just spent a uh, really good time going through like precious gems and proverbs last night. It was a Bible study. Yeah, that was great. We went through like 15 of the precious gems and proverbs. And we talked about 
because the Proverbs talks about fools a lot, you know, and it defines what a fool is and it talks about different gradations of fools at the point where somebody's just naive, they're young, they don't know God's word and they make mistakes, uh, sin, others who defy God's word, others who mock God's word. But the Psalms, what are the fools? The fools are those who reject God's moral law, who reject God and so forth. And that's basically, you know, the, the, the purveyors of what we call secular music. I basically look at all music as being spiritual. It's either for him or against him. Uh, now, there may be something that's not overtly encouraging you to do evil, but if I have a choice between a song that's not overtly telling me to do evil and songs that encourage me to worship the Lord and love him, I'm going to choose those songs. So uh, I think it's important that we evaluate this because uh, there's a lot of water, you know, a lot of things being watered down in music today. A lot of times you turn on Christian radio, and I listen to Christian radio, Christian music when I drive at times. A lot of times I turn it off and just praise God. Uh, but I turn on Christian radio sometimes, and you can't tell if he's, they're singing to the Lord or they're singing to a man or a woman or what. And I'm like, what in the world? And then when you get songs that are enriching and encouraging and, and have some biblical depth to them, then I'm encouraged, you know? No, amen. And one of the things, you know, as you mentioned over and over again, you know, the Psalms and how impactful they are scripturally. And, you know, I know we talked about it the last time we talked on this subject, but the reality is, is that when you look at the genesis of Psalms and you look at Psalm chapter one, you do have just perfect definition yeah. of one man versus the other. Yeah. And this man is going to be a man who he's going to be like a tree planted against the water, bears fruit in the season. This man is going to be the bark that blows off when a wind comes by. I always think about that. You have rushing water and it's not knocking the tree down. It's actually nourishing it. But for this guy, the wind comes by and he flies off. And what's the difference? One sits in the seat of scoffers. One does not meditate on the word day and night versus the one who does. Yeah. And, and I Starts think that's our meditating on his word day yeah. and night, the book of Psalms. Oh, yeah. Amen. And that's that's really, I know for me, and I, I don't know how, how everyone memorizes scripture, but I know for me, a lot of times the way that I memorize scripture is simply by a tune. And in, in fact, that's how we are. We're made that way as children. When you learn how children learn, you learn your ABCs, right? How did you learn them? Typically through a song. You know, and everyone, you know, typically they go through their head. They're like, oh, yeah, I did kind of learn that through a song. And I know we do cla uh, Christian classical learning, I think is what it's called. My wife's more of the homeschooler than I am. But I know that that's how you train in the very beginning is understanding through song and memorizing things through song. And it's so important for us to have those things always be surrounded by. And I think you're going to see that narrative as we talk today, surrounded by and tested by what the word of God actually says. Amen. And it says, uh, Chad, just piggyback on what you're saying there, in Colossians 3.16, in Ephesians 5.19, to uh, sing psalms and spiritual songs and so forth. But it says to sing and to admonish, to teach one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So that doesn't mean I'm just praising God and worshiping Him, which I love to do. But it also means that I'm also being edified by others that are singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs uh, that have been gifted by the Lord or uh, you know have that way of expression uh, to because they love the Lord and they're either singing psalms and uh, you know creating me a clean heart or you know so many of the, the psalms that have been put to uh, music that we, we we worship to now is it, just beautiful but it's absolutely important and imperative that we realize that God wants our lives to be filled I mean I think a lot of people miss the boat they don't realize that we are priests to God and if you're a Christian you're also a priest male or female in Christ there's neither male nor female uh, women are called to certain things and men are called to certain things but all Christians are priests we all what would the priest do the priest in the Old Testament would represent God and the priest also would represent humanity to God so Jesus is our high priest and uh, we he he's the high priest and he has a unique 
office according to the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is untransferable according to Romans 7, I'm sorry, Hebrews 7. But we are priests, and we are supposed to offer sacrifices. And if you're, you're a Christian, you're a priest, and you're supposed to be offering sacrifices to God, not animal sacrifices, not blood sacrifices. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you real quick, and, and Chad, get your input on this as well. 1 Peter 2.9, but you, speaking of believers, it's addressed to the believers in chapter 1, the first couple of verses, uh, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Wow. Because you're a priest of the King of Kings, Lord of Lord. You're, you're, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim his excellencies or the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when we become Christians, one of our main functions is to proclaim his excellencies. Why? Because of who he is and because he saved us. He's redeemed us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Uh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Uh, we're proclaiming what? How he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're, we're talking about our salvation. We're talking about Christ. The Bible says God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Jesus is the light of the world. We're praising him. So as priests, we're proclaiming our salvation. We're worshiping him. Uh, I love Hebrews 13, 15 because it talks about the sacrifices that we as priests offer to God. It says the, uh, through him, that is through Jesus, mm. who Hebrews emphasizes the way into the holiest place. Uh, then let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. And what's the sacrifice of praise? He goes on to say, that is the fruit of your lips, which in the NASB it says, which is uh, giving thanks to God. Or in the ESV it says, uh, which is acknowledging him. Well, you don't acknowledge him, you don't give thanks to the Lord, and you're unthankful, and you just don't do that. You're you're already in rebellion to the scripture. Mm -hmm. And you're already in Romans 1 territory where they were unthankful, and mm -hmm. they became darkened in their minds, and God gave them over to depraved minds. We need people thanksgiving and realize we're in a constant spiritual war and Satan wants a root of bitterness to come up in us or us to become lethargic. But we should be excited about the Lord. We should, And that comes from not just saying, I'm going to be excited about the Lord. No, that comes from being in the scripture, seeing how wonderful and how powerful and awesome and how loving our God is and seeing what he did for us on the cross. And that can't help cause you to redound to his glory with praises. So we don't give, it says the fruit of our lips. Notice it's not animal sacrifice. It says the fruit of our lips, which are our thanksgivings, praises to God. So we offer fruit, right? From the fruit of his Holy Spirit at work in us, the fruit of our lips, praises to God. I remember when I was a new Christian, people would say, and I didn't even know it, you know? I didn't know any other Christians, but you say praise, because I didn't know any Christians, you say praise the Lord a lot, you know? <laughs> Met my wife, man. She's praise the Lord all the time as well. And we're, you know, and I didn't even know it. And I, so I said, yeah, I say praise the Lord, because I love the Lord. I Praise him, man. He's so good. And I'm around brothers and sisters all the time, and everybody's always saying, praise God. And I thought something, I'm thinking, should I say praise God here? Hmm, I'm going to say praise the Lord here. No, you just do it because you're in love with the Lord. You get close to him. You just want to praise him and, and share him, and it just becomes, you know, part of your new nature is praising him. But at the same time, there's times when we be down in the dumps. There's times when we go through trials. There's, there's times where we're afflicted, you know. It says that those who are happy, you know, sing a song to the Lord, that those who are afflicted to pray. So we cry out to the Lord in prayer, right? But there's sorrow in the evening, the Bible says, but joy in the morning, you know? So we seek the Lord, we cry out to him, and we get out of that valley. And we can sing him even when we're in the valley. As Paul and Silas praised him at midnight in prison, and God busted open the prison doors. And by the way, they were singing probably psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, because that Paul was walking his talk. <laughs> and the jailer's like, you know, how must I be saved? He knew they were singing about salvation. He wanted a little more detail. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, you and your household. And he said, you shall be saved. So that may, it should make up our life. We should be singing praises at all time and realizing that this is 
what we should be doing as priests. But there are times when you're like, I don't really feel like praising him so much today and being thankful because I'm just wiped out. I'm, you know, I'm sick. I got the flu. And man, I want to praise you, Lord, but I'm just so wiped out. That's where you go. I love the scriptures where it says, oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Yeah. You know, over and over again through the book of Psalms, oh, my soul, praise the Lord. We need to command our, our, that part of our being that's kind of restless or tired to just praise him anyway, no matter what we're going through. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, the royal priesthood that we are. This this wonderful. I mean, the fact that we have this, that Christ has given us this through His blood, bought with that price. And I think of when the Ark of God specifically comes back, and here is what happens: David brings back the Ark of God. They make the tent of meeting there before they have the temple through Solomon, and then he appoints the Levites. It says in verse four of First Chronicles sixteen, and he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the Ark of the Lord to celebrate and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. It goes through Asaph and Zechariah and so forth and some of the instruments they played. And then it says this in verse eight. This is the Psalm of Thanksgiving they sing to him. Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make his deed known among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders, Amen. boast in his holy name and let the heart of those who seek the Lord be joyful. It's, it's even more powerful if you go and read it yourself First Chronicles 16, and you see this thanksgiving given to God. And they always go back, and I think it's really interesting because he ta- it talks about his nature, the acts he's done towards them. When they're singing praises to him, they're singing about who he is and what he's done Absolutely. and how the things that he has done come out of that nature of his goodness. And I think that it's sad how often the, the modern worship songs miss the boat on this stuff yeah, and absolutely. really miss the boat on representing God's nature. I love songs like Our God is an Awesome God and so forth where we're literally just speaking about how awesome our God is or even songs from Revelation where you're reading through parts of the Revelation or we yeah. read through the Psalms, right? Uh, Shane Shane has an entire album where it's just through the Psalms. I love that stuff. And those Psalms get written on your heart. Absolutely. And and I think it's it's so important for us to go look at what Scripture has to say about the songs that they would write. And when they would write these songs, that so many of them dealt specifically with the very nature and who God is and what he's done for us. Yeah, amen, Chad. Why don't you read that last part? Because I know you're reading a lot, so you went kind of quick at the very end, but yeah. it was so it's so beautiful. Yeah, boast in his holy name. Yeah. And the joyful part. Yeah, and it says in verse 10, boast in his holy name, let the heart of those who seek the Lord be joyful. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Yeah, notice that it says boast in the Lord. And then it says <laughs> to let that one be what? Joyful. joyful. Yeah. That's where your joy comes from. The Bible says, let not the wicked, you know, not let the rich man, don't boast, let the rich man boast in his riches or the mighty man boast in his might, you know. The wise man boasts in his wisdom, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows me, he knows the Lord. And when you boast in the Lord, you get your eyes on him. That's the source of our joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such it says there is no law. And so when we focus on the Lord and we boast in him, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. And this is so critical when it comes to spiritual warfare. Last week when we were talking about the Songs of Fools, Chad, we talked a little bit about spiritual warfare and how Judah would at times be, they'd go first in the war. Judah, the tribe of Judah, means praise. And they'd worship the Lord with, with instruments, you know. And it was just, uh, they'd be praising God. And how God said ambushes against the wicked through their praise. It was like a weapon that God used. Because the Lord enthrones, it says, the praises of his people. people yeah. Now, we're not those who believe and some teach that you have to praise him. And then he'll become enthroned in your praises. No, we believe he's already enthroned in our hearts. 
But we believe when we draw near to God, he draws close to us. That's what it says in James 4. So as we praise him, we become more and more filled with his spirit because we are surrendering to him, hands up, worshiping him. Lord, you know, we, we worship you. And the Bible says to worship him in, in, in a holy attire or in the beauty of holiness or in, in splendor. So as we worship the Lord and we praise him, there's an aspect of spiritual warfare there. I believe things happen because we know when, uh, as we talked about last week, when King Saul was possessed by a demon, mm-hmm. When David would, would sing psalms before he was king, and he would just praise the Lord in his presence, that demon would take off. And I too, I believe that certain music that's 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 dedicated to the Lord, that's sang from the heart to Jesus, hey, Satan hates that, man. But you know what? I believe he's also drawn, and we know, look at watch our video, they sold their souls for rock and roll. Mm. Uh, he also inspires music, which is conducive. Of, I thought it was pretty interesting because there's certain music that draws like crows and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, did a stu- I looked at a study on that sometime before, just a secular study. Oh, it's kind of interesting. But we want to encourage you also when it comes to uh, spiritual warfare is to recognize that when you praise God, you put him first in your life, and you do what that, that what Chad was saying, that you boast the Lord and you, you, you praise him, and then you become joyful. And then you choose, hey, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Because when you're focused on him, and what he did and his love for you, you can't help but become joyful if you can keep your gaze stayed in the Lord. It says, those who keep my mind, their mind stayed on me, he says, I'll keep in perfect peace. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as you're worshiping the Lord and putting him first and seeking him first, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. How is it your strength? That means you become impervious almost to temptation. Well, you are impervious to temptation at that point because if you rejoice in the Lord and singularly focused on him and doing his will, you're going to reject those, those temptations have something better because you'll recognize I have I have the King of Kings, I have the Lord of Lords, I have the creator of the universe, I have the one, the lover of my soul who gave himself for me, who's preparing a place for me. And any temptation the enemy sends your way to get you to go get drunk or to get you to go get stoned or to get you to just do evil, you're gonna say, Why would I do that, man? I know God. There's nothing beyond knowing him. And a lot of that comes from being thankful and praising God. And that's that's a huge key to our victory in our spiritual life is singing praise to the Lord, giving thanks and worshiping him. Jesus said it's the Father's desire, you know, His will, that the true worshipers would worship in spirit and truth, you know? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. This last week, after doing the message last week, but the church is singing the songs of fools and and talking about that. We had a number of people write in uh, to different avenues, you know, email or so forth. And a number of them talked about, man, when they finally got victory over having that music, the songs of fools just playing in their head and 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 how long it took for some of them. Some of them are still. We got we got emails right now of people that are. I'm still going through it. I'm trying to get away from that music because it really is a spiritual battle. It's seductive. Those things stick in your head. We talked about that over and over again. You know the reality of how quick a song can get stuck in your head. It's why they use tunes at the ends of song or at the ends of commercials yeah. and so forth. So you remember how to call that number. Or you remember what website to They're go to. They're teaching you. Exactly. And you are you are being taught whether you like it or not. You know, oh, I'm just listening to the tunes and the sounds. But really, Satan wouldn't do all of this. And these artists wouldn't be the biggest things out there in terms of go on YouTube and see what gets the most views and clicks. And a lot of times it's artist music videos, many of which are either, I mean, they're satanic either way, but just explicitly sexual. Uh, they're pushing drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. Uh, Crowleyanism, I mean, in all yeah. honesty, and they're pushing all this stuff, and that's what's getting the clicks. That's what's getting the likes. That's what people are following over and over again because it has a spiritual stronghold. Because just as it says in Psalm ninety-six five uh, in the Septuagint, uh, how it's how it's translated is that the gods of the nations are 
demons. Yeah. And so ultimately those idols, those things, the, what, the power behind them is actually satanic. So we want to make sure we recognize and have the victory through things like what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Through having these songs. I have a funny story. Speaking of victory, it was a kind of a interesting thing that happened when I was a young Christian. I was in the faith, I don't know, two or three years, young believer. And I was working with uh, the Paneris, Tony Paneri and his sons, uh, uh, Tom and Steve and Nick Paneri. Uh, we're, we're talking about the son of Tom. is an elder in our fellowship. And uh, Steve went on to be with the Lord, you know. And anyway, it was kind of interesting because I was working in all three of them masons, right? Not... Thirty-three, yeah, yeah, masons. yeah, <laughs> brick masons. Okay, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't believe that uh, the Masonic Temple is Christian, right? Uh, yeah, don't want to get that, right? But you know, I'm, I'm on the job site, and I had a lot of, I did different construction jobs, like tile setter and stuff. Subsequent to that, but at that time, I was just, you know, you know, stacking brick and making mud and stuff like that. And Blaren was the secular station that they would play from this radio that they bring on the work sites. And if you guys know my ministry, I was exposing, you know, already then at that point exposing that what satan was doing through music and it would so i know what it is to get you know hear songs and stuff and songs that would stick in your head and what have you so i'd do battle and i would just try to have a song in my heart just praise god worship him and, and serve him but you know what i got to the point where i was like i'm so tired of hearing that radio all day long at work so i literally prayed i said lord can you just somehow get that stop that music from playing and i was the next day or the day later but it was like right after that boom tom was like man my radio don't work anymore. I didn't break it. I just prayed, you know. I said, I said, and this is work. It's funny. I said, Lord, can you just, you know, I forget my exact prayer, but I said, please end that music. I'm so, it's so hard. I hate just hearing that stuff during my work day, man. I just want to praise you because, you know, you're outside and everything in a construction site and you can praise the Lord, but it's just inundated with junk, you know. The song's full. And his, his radio actually broke. Well, it was crazy is we would hop in their dad's truck and we would, and they were probably in their late 20s at the time. And uh, I was in my probably 20 or so. And I would hop in, but I would hop in the back, you know, and they and maybe one or two of us would be in the back. We'd rotate. And all of a sudden, it's my turn to sit. I'm okay. I never called the shotgun. It's family business. But they say, okay, Joe, hey, you can sit, you're going to sit in the truck with my dad today. Okay, I'm sitting in there. This is like a week later. I don't know. I mean, I had it being in the front for a little bit. Also, we're driving, I think, Hodel's, you know, in a Thousand Oaks. And Tony, dad, their dad you know he's like <laughs> this i'm not saying this wasn't a coincidence it was just hilarious he's like i can't get my stupid radio to work man he's like <laughs> i'm like i didn't pray about his radio and he goes all i could get is this religious station <laughs> i was like oh, when i heard that i was like wow lord you give us abundantly exceedingly abundantly above that we ask or dream is that from you anyway uh it's important to pray about you know if, if we're in a situation where you're in a difficult situation where you're like, man, I don't want to be around this music, but man, I can't escape it because the job I have, pray and see if the Lord will, will you know, cause something to happen or open up another place. Or you might just, you know, you're going to be in a situation sometimes you can't escape the place you're in, but you need to put up the, the, the breastplate of righteousness. And that's why I think it's important. The Bible says, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it, this talks about the weapons of our warfare right there are not carnal, but mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds and cast down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're supposed to do that with, with uh, antichrist constructs and, and, and uh, wicked teachings and philosophies and so forth, but a lot of those are coming through the music. So I spend a lot of time when I'm in those kinds of environments, if it's something that's wicked and I feel the enemy is trying to attack me with it, cast that down in the name of Jesus, you know? And 
if, if I feel there's some kind of attack. Otherwise, it's, you know, but I keep my mind captive. I memorize scripture. Take scripture to work and memorize it. Meditate on it day and night. So whatever environment you're in, great. But you know what? So many of you have a choice. And when, you know, some might be saying, yeah, it's hard, but I just kind of turn that station back on. Man, get rid of the Song of the Fools and start finding Christian music. You know, we're not here to endorse a bunch of bands, but uh, there's bands like, you know, uh, Chad and I love Shane and Shane, a lot of other people. Tommy is probably the biggest Shane and Shane fan over there, out there, over there, you know. We have praise and worship. Tony's a great worship leader. We got a great praise band. Uh, we we just, we, there's so much good music out there. Like they didn't have, I mean, they had great music then, okay. But we have such a selection of godly music. But we have to watch out though because there is also a movement of music that would cause us to compromise in the church as well, which we talked about last week. And I'm not talking about secular music so much. I'm talking about where I'm sure we'll go in a little bit and address. No, yeah, for sure. And and we'll definitely have to address, there are a lot of quote-unquote Christian artists that are just making merchandise of men. I mean, that's a reality. And I'm not saying that from just my own opinion, but, you know, we've done concerts in the past and I've even talked to artists and I know Tony knows who I'm talking about who have told me straight up that I'm like, why do you guys do this tour? It's very cheap. I don't know how you guys afford it. He said, because we've worked with so many bands where we played music and it's all about the gospel. And then next thing you know, as soon as they get some sort of record deal they're gone and they forget that the lord yeah. is the one ultimately gives the promotion they betray the lord like judas 100 percent, yeah like demas right yeah they love the things of this present world and and that breaks my heart and i i you know for me personally i remember thinking to myself man you know if i'm on the mission field i want to be able to just sing so you know praise god a couple years ago i got a guitar for christmas and now i get to write songs for my for my daughters and for my sons i play music for them and i know joe you same way you wrote songs for your kids as well, which one of them is my wife, but, and you know, you have these things and it's precious to be able to say, I'm going to sing a song just about Jesus. I'm going to get them to remember that he died on the cross. Something very simple. You know, it's not hard to learn some chords, but if like, I can't do that at all, you know, I don't know, you don't have fingertips, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but hey, at least you can sing and you can learn songs yeah. and meditate with your children on the word of God and on things that are in principle in the word of God as well. Yeah, it gets their attention. I mean, when I am wrote a little song, I think for Holly and my children and then I still sing it to the grandchildren you know and uh, I wrote a, a lot of songs some of our songs have, you know we got an album called uh, Leave Me The Rock which was mostly written by Doug Stevelton but I was able to contribute to that with some songs and uh, maybe we'll play some of that sometime but uh, Tony man he's got uh, uh, they put some albums together Enter In I, I Enter In you know yeah. I mean a couple albums that people that just would call the church and were floored someone said I can't play anything but this because it's just so beautiful now there's a lot of things out there but one pastor here in town was like, Joe, I got to enter in and I can't, I can't. Uh... Tony, was that the first one to enter in? Yeah, that thing's just amazing. Tony, make sure you go to the view where we can see you when you have to answer questions. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe put a link to that 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 album there. <laughs> it's just beautiful music. And maybe put Leave Me to the Rock up there as well. It's got like, I mean, we got some like incredible musicians on, on Leave Me to the Rock. Where, yeah. I mean, you'd be blown away. I mean, Phil Kagan, a lot of other different people played for us on that. And uh, one of the better, better guitarists that ever lived, right? But it's interesting because... I mean, it could be something, you just don't have to have the greatest voice. I don't have the greatest voice, you know. I'll be the greatest guitar player, you know. But I just pick up my guitar, pray, and then, uh, you know, it might be something as silly like, Chad's probably heard this song too many times. Yours is like, rhinoceros, rhinoceros, you know. <laughs> the kids, they love it. They're like, and they want to gather around, better eat your breakfast. Oh, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, yeah. Well, and then the rhinoceros learns about Jesus. So then all of a sudden I got the kids, and I'm talking about Jesus, you know. So, uh but <laughs> most of our songs are far more mature than that. But we're the enemy's out going after the kids. We're going after them for Jesus, you know? No, amen. And and it is important. And I try to make sure my kids understand the importance that, 
you know, we as a as a family, we are very praise oriented. Uh, my wife would say she doesn't have the best voice. I'm sure the Lord loves it either way, but she's always listening to worship music. And I remember she was recently talking uh, about, you know, s- sacred and secular, so to speak, when it comes to music. And one of the things, you know, she's like, well, what about somebody who's asking, what about this song? And what, what about this one? If it's not this, if it's not this, she's like, I only have so many hours in the day. Yeah, Let's amen. just be real about it. I only have so many hours in the day. So I'm not going to waste time listening to somebody who doesn't love Jesus and hoping he's not demonically inspired. I'm going to praise the Lord whenever I get the chance, especially, I mean, she's a mom of four. She homeschools. She does, she works also, uh, you know, mostly in, in the house, but still doing work and all this stuff. And it's like, how much time do you have in the day? And you're like, man, I just got to get this Nirvana kick off, you know? Like, I got to yeah. make sure I get my Nirvana in. Yeah, know? we, we want to encourage time. you guys to really think yeah. this through. And, and this, what I encourage you, maybe this will be a time the Lord really speaks to you because it's not based on our opinion. You know, when you look at scriptures, like in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, when it says, you know, let us through him continually, not a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but continually or continuously Offer up the sacrifice of praise, the praise of our lips, which is thanks to our God, or acknowledging His name, thanks to His name. That's we're called the continuous praise and worship. So if I'm continuously praising Him, that means I don't have time for Billie Eilish to sing her songs. <laughs> that means I don't have time to sing the songs of fools, because I'm called to continuously offer up songs of praise to Him. And by the way, when it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.19 and 20 there, what are the Psalms? You know, Psalm means 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 song, but it's, you know, a song of praise, you know. And we got 150 of those songs in the middle of the Bible. And I think uh, I quoted this guy last week, but he's one of the early church fathers, uh, uh, Chrysostom. He stated that, I mean, they called him golden throat because he was this great order, but he loved truth. And uh, he said that God gave us the book of Psalms to keep us from the music of demons. And I try to tell people that was long before VH1, MTV, and you know, all these bit, you know, all the secular electrified music that comes to the internet now. They didn't even have stereos and stuff, but they understood that demons were at work uh, and were using music. So God's given us Psalms and then hymns, which Psalms would be the, the Holy Spirit inspired book of Psalms. Hymns uh, would be a song that's, you know, uh, that you could write that's not necessarily, not out of the book of Psalms, but there's, songs that you write to God's glory, you know, that, that might have biblical doctrine or praise toward God. And, and then spiritual songs, you know, spiritual songs. Oh, you know, we don't know exactly. We do know this. He's talking about spiritual songs there, though. So that could be, speaking of a variety of spiritual songs that are God-glorifying, Christ-centered. But the emphasis, the reason I bring this up, is as Christians, we're supposed to be what? Singing spiritual songs, not the so-called, you know, secular songs of the world. And I just want to encourage you guys because you'll be set free. I've had people... After seeing our video over and over and over again, they sold their souls for rock and roll. And people that come out of that saying, wow, my whole life changed. When I changed the kind of music I was listening to and I began to praise God and get into songs of praise and worship, my whole, God used that to revolutionize my entire life. And a lot of you, you know, I mean, I don't think it's right that Sunday morning we go, oh, I'll praise him Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night or whenever it is. You know, we're supposed to be continuously offering praise to him. There's a gal that had uh, contacted our ministry. I can't remember if she called us or she left a note or what have you, but she said that her husband in their church had, his youth pastor, had shown a presentation, uh, shown our presentation to a lot of the youth and they encouraged them all to get rid of their music. And all the youth were getting rid of their music and stuff and then she said he got rid of his music. But he decided to keep certain parts of his old music. He didn't want to let it go. 
even though I'd given that presentation. And she said one night, and it had been on her heart, like, I, I wish she'd give it all up, you know, that uh, all of a sudden he, he woke up, freaked out. And she's like, what's going on? And he goes, I had a terrible dream, you know. And in his dream that she communi he communicated to her, because I was driving down the road and he was holding his arm out the window. And she said, that's how he drives when he drives his truck. He has his arm out the window, left arm. He's driving down the road and he said, I was on a two-lane highway and I was going one way and another vehicle was going the other way. And my arm hit that other vehicle, you know. And I brought it in. It didn't knock his arm off, but guess what he brought in the, in, into his vehicle? Someone else's arm torn off of someone. And he said it was like evil, you know, she's, you know, like gross. And he woke up. And she goes, you know what? I believe God's saying, because it's been on my heart, and I'm hoping God would speak to you. And I believe that God is saying to you that we're going one way, the enemy's going the other way. And he's trying to just get a foothold in your life to keep you from going the right way. You know, I can't remember all the words she said, but this was what she was implying. And, and that Satan has got through that arm. It's a picture of Satan getting a stronghold in your life. And some of you may have strongholds in your lives uh, in various ways. And, you know, the Bible says, curse is the one who brings cursed things into their home. So we, want to bring things, we don't want to bring things we know that the Lord says are evil into our house and champion them and have rival thrones that we glorify and then say, well, Lord, you get Sunday morning, but, you know, Satan gets the rest of the week. No, man, we want to just jettison all that stuff. If you're saying, hey, Joe, you know what, but what if it's not overtly evil again? I'm not saying every single song that's not Christian is overtly evil. What I am saying, though, is there's a lot of music out there. Most of the music that's popular out there is. I mean, look at our videos. You would think, oh, this one, we show so many artists you would never think have the demonic entities working behind them. We prove that in our videos. So a lot of times what you think is innocent, Satan comes as angel of light. But the other, at the, on the other hand, again, if we're continuously praising him as we're commanded to, continuously worshiping and exalting him and singing these spiritual songs, that doesn't leave a lot of time again, as I said, you know, for Grande or Eilish <laughs> or, you know, Kanye even, yeah. right? To see where he's at right now. Oh, no, no, 100%. You know, I just wanted to say, uh, Clarissa said she loves the Lead Me to the Rock album, and she says her two favorite are You're Just Too Good to Me and Behold the Bridegroom is Coming. Those are her two favorite. <laughs> yeah, I wrote so. Behold the Bridegroom Comes. Wow, well, yeah, she still listens to that? Yeah, she loves it. Yeah, she said, I, I, so I, I figured you, you could give a little well, context to the Bridegroom is Coming. I'm glad soon. you like, glad that song's still around. And Tony, <laughs> in fact, you might, Tony, you could put a little link up to Behold the Bridegroom Comes. Yeah, we, now we do have it on our radio station on the Good Friday Radio Network. That, oh, I, I don't well, know if that's, God. you and, tell me, Clarissa, if by, that's where you heard it. And by the way, Clarissa, my, one of my favorite songs in that album, of course, I'm partial Behold because I wrote it. And I literally got on my knees, cried out to God, because I did a whole series on Jesus our bridegroom and we're the bride and I was bummed out that that series was over and I was a new pastor and I had the acoustic guitar my wife because I kicked in my Fender app I got rid of my guitar wasn't playing guitar for a couple years my wife got me a guitar and I said okay Lord I'm not going to become a worship leader I don't be I don't be leave your calling me a worship leader but I'm going to sing praise songs to my with my kids and, my, and so forth as you know we grow together and I was planning when my, my family was beginning to burgeon you know and I got on my knees and just cried out the guy I said Lord I'm leaving that series behind, but can you just give me a song that would just keep that ever before me, that, that you're the bridegroom and, and we're the bride. And I literally got on my knees and prayed and I began to play. And uh, and uh, I started singing it. Uh, just and, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna have a couple black gals sing it, man, which is a lot of, a lot of heart and soul. And so we, when we re ended up recording it with Lead Me The Rock and we did that, but uh, you're just too good to me. I can almost weep, Clarissa, because that's, that's probably my favorite song on the album right there. And I wrote that with my wife and, and Doug Stevelton. Doug wrote most of the songs on that album. And Jesus, You're Just Too Good to Me. And Terry Clark, we had him sing that. We had, got great musicians doing those, those songs. But it's absolutely beautiful. I think half the songs have like a saxophone, you know, in them. I mean, it was like 14 songs, I believe. 
half of those songs have saxophone. It's just beautiful. We got an amazing sax player playing those songs. And in fact, it was funny because uh, K-Wave, which was Calvary Chapel's big station, I think it's still going right now, they wanted to play the songs on it, but they weren't playing some of the best songs on it. They were saying, well, <laughs> Chuck Smith doesn't like the saxophone. You know, oh, okay, and that would probably get us into instruments. But Calvary Chapel does like musical instruments. <laughs> nice segue, Joe. We'll segue to that eventually. <laughs> but but that song, "You're Just Too Good to Me," is just. I mean, we were so moved, and we a lot of those songs came. I mean, we were at Feast of Charities, sitting in a circle, you know, uh, just uh, you know praising God in the park with different people in our fellowship and worshiping Him, and and some of those songs were written in that context. And Doug Stapleton is an excellent songwriter, and uh, he's written some really good songs on that on that album as well. I mean, most songs are written by Doug there. No, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's really awesome to to kind of talk about those things because it is it is amazing when when your heart's just bent on what the Word of God says and wanting to wanting to please Him. The things that do come out of you, you know, things you're thinking about that are in line with Scripture, and I think song or you know songs, writing songs, and so forth, or poetry, whatever it may be. I think a lot of those things are just what come overflowing from the heart when you're just thinking about how good He is and. Man, there are a few things as emotional as getting just just worshiping the Lord, recognizing who he is and not caring who's around you. Like not caring that, you know, this guy, this guy cuz your worship is between you and the Lord and you're like, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to sing to him. I'm going to see songs of praise of thanking him what he's done for me and where your heart is in line with scripture. And I think that's always important. And you mentioned the the instrument thing. I think that's a good thing to maybe go into a little bit as well. Because there are those, and there are plenty of people on, you know, different different ways that we would agree with them on a lot of stuff. They make good videos on stuff, but then they take it too far. And if you guys know from the Reform Camp, John Calvin didn't like instruments, right? So a lot of those in the Reform Camp, in fact, we traveled to Holland together, right? A lot of them like, well, I only like the voice. We don't need these other instruments yeah. and so forth. Granted, we just read from First, or First Chronicles 16, where it's like, here's the, you know, here's some instruments. And By the way, the voice is an instrument. And the voice is an instrument. And to and it think, can be used for good or evil, just like any other instrument. I watched a video of somebody, you know, basically saying that if you play the drums, it's worldly and fleshly and you should never do it. And I'm thinking like, man, plenty of satanic artists use only their voice and have a demonic anointing with that. It's more than just flesh. It's straight demonic. And same thing would go with drums. Same thing would go with cymbals. Same thing would go with lyrics. Same thing would go with guitar. But the reality is, Joe, we have to ask the question is what we don't want to go beyond that, which is written specifically when it comes to commanding and specifically when it comes to limiting the things that we can worship the Lord with. So we want to make sure, is there some prohibition that I'm missing in reading scripture where we see you can't use instruments in your form of worship? Well, just so we understand that they feel like they've got some pretty solid ground with argumentation They'll admit that there's musical instruments used in the Old Testament mm-hmm. with God's people in the in the temple, uh, certainly in the Book of Psalms, you know. But what they'll say is that well, you don't really see them in the New Testament church. You don't see them commanded to be used in the New Testament, or you don't see them in the New Testament with the church. Which I would say two things. Number one, if that were true, and I don't believe it is true, I'm going to prove otherwise. I think in a minute, and that's going to shock a lot of people that have been in this debate, especially if they're uh, reformed and, and they believe they're against church instruments or instruments in the church. Or Church of Christ is probably more known, well known for that than anyone. A lot of Church of Christ folks, they don't allow musical instruments at all. And the argument is that, well, you know, you don't see them being used in the Scripture, you know, in the New Testament. Which, again, would be an argument for silence if that was true, but it's not true. And we'll see that in a moment. But it would be an argument for silence because I, can, I can't find a bunch of church buildings 
in the New Testament church, you know, in the first century. The upper room and so forth, you know, you can say, okay, uh, you know, but we, you know, uh, would, would we say, oh, it's unbiblical to have a, a uh, you know, a church building? Well, some would today, but that's, I would say that's an unbiblical statement because we're not supposed to go beyond the scripture and you're going by on the scripture into legalism when you're forbidding that which the scriptures don't forbid. The Bible doesn't talk about pulpits. The Bible doesn't talk about stained glass windows. The Bible doesn't, the New Testament doesn't talk about, I'm talking about the New Testament, doesn't talk about uh, offering plates. The New Testament doesn't talk about a lot of things. The New Testament doesn't talk about uh, women wearing dresses. Those same churches will say women need to wear dresses, some of them, you know. Uh, you say, wait, it does. It says wearing dresses in 1 Peter 3, the, the scripture there in the Greek it says clothes, okay. Uh, but uh, praise God for dresses that women wear, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you could you could forbid because you don't see them mentioned in scripture that are part of a you know a daily service, but when it comes to scripture, uh, listen to this. This is one of the first examples. I mean, in Genesis you see that Jubal is the father of music, you know, in Genesis, and then in Exodus, one of the first times you see uh, an instance of musical instruments being used, it's when they're proclaiming you know God's deliverance, you know, and so forth. And we see them singing the song of Moses. Uh, we see them praising God at different times in Exodus. And here we see Miriam. It says in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20 and uh, 21, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, right, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out after with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. That's an amazing, that was I wish I, I hope we get videotape of certain things that happen in the Old Testament. That's what I'll be into. Uh, so let's explore this a little bit. I mentioned earlier psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, we're commanded in the New Testament to sing psalms. What's the biggest book in the Bible? The book of Psalms. So we're called to sing those psalms. Well, the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God. When we go to the book of Psalms, Chad, what do we hear over and over again? I'm going to bounce it, we'll bounce this back and forth a little bit. What do we read in the book of Psalms about? Do we read anything about musical instruments? Because that's our songbook. Yeah, and you know what? If we were going to start the book of Psalms with Psalm 1, let's also read the ending of Psalm 150. the book of Psalms. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him in his mighty deeds. Amen. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now, if we stop there, we could go once again, talk about his attributes of yeah. who he is and his mighty works, the things he's done. Amen. So how do we praise, praise that, Joe? What do we do? Well, here we go. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Trumpets? <laughs> That's the church songbook. Trumpets? Oh, go on, bro. And those are pretty loud, by yeah, the way. Yeah, loud. <laughs> <laughs> praise him with the harp. Praise him with the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with... Stringed instruments. Stringed instruments. Pipes, wow. <laughs> praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding Robbie cymbals. Robbie loves that one. The cymbals there. Loud cymbals. Amen. Says, by the way. Amen. So you're not saying it's fleshly? And of the devil? No, it's we're actually commanded to do this, and this is our songbook. This is the church's uh, main songbook is the book of Psalms, you know? And my favorite my favorite verse in there, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. In fact, it's interesting. Let's give a couple more along those lines. Uh, King David, he commanded the Levites, quote, to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments, okay? And with harps and cymbals and so forth. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, uh, verse 26, Hezekiah is encouraged to station Levites in the temple to play cymbals and harps with lyres and so forth. And it's just amazing. It goes on and on and on. Uh, the Levites did do just that. We read in 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 5, 
that 4,000 gatekeepers, it says, uh, it says 4,000 gatekeepers and 4,000 shall offer praises to the Lord with the instruments that I have made for praise. Wow. God made instruments for praise. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19. God, the Lord is my strength. <laughs> he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. Then, and I love that because we're talking about praising him earlier in the show, kind of going full circle here. And no matter what you're going through, you still want to praise God and boast in him. And that's where your joy is. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What's interesting, right there, Habakkuk's talking about, even if he doesn't deliver and doesn't provide the way Habakkuk is hoping he will, he's still going to praise him, he says. In a modern vernacular, that means, hey, you know, there's, you know, there's no food in the refrigerator. The lights just got turned off and, and I'm going through and I've got a terrible illness. I'm still going to praise God and put him first. A psalm chapter, because it goes on to say, to the choir master with stringed instruments. Habakkuk was stating that this is to be played. What he stated right there is supposed to be sung with stringed instruments. And a number of psalms are like that as well. Psalm 81.2 says, raise a song, sound the tambourine, uh, the sweet lyre and the harp. Psalm uh, 98 verse 5, sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. And Chad just went through 150, but... Well, what about the New Testament? I mean, why doesn't it mention musical instruments? Because if we already have a songbook that encourages over and over again, and that's the whole history of Israel to sing praises and worship to God with musical instruments. Do you think he's going to think that, you know, you think God's going to say, uh, you know what? He's not forbidding it. When God doesn't forbid something that he allows in Scripture, you know, and it's not part of the Mosaic Law, the book of Psalms, to where we're commanded that, you know, do this and it's only under the Mosaic Law. No, this is the songbook of the New Testament church. But I did say it's an argument not only from silence, but it's to say that uh, Christians don't have musical instruments. Uh, they aren't mentioned playing new musical instruments in the New Testament. That's false. Okay, check this out. Revelation chapter five, verses eight and nine. And this isn't this is the cherubim. Okay, Satan is a fallen cherub. Okay, the anointed cherub, Ezekiel twenty-eight, and they lead the worship in heaven. Well, he's a fallen one, and that's explains you one reason because he's associated with music even and it mentions percussion instruments in his being as the one who defiled his sanctuaries and was in eden in ezekiel 28 and it says who we brought down along with his stringed instruments in isaiah 14 to the pit so satan is very effective through music and angels were musical beings and they still have that ability to a degree that's why some of these singers you see that their voices are so and they talk about sometimes i got quotes from some of these rock stars where this energy just comes from nowhere you talk about beyonce she couldn't sing until this entity, the spirit, entered into her body. She couldn't sing like she can now. Okay? So it's interesting, though. We want to guard our hearts and only sing praises to God and that which glorifies the Lord. But listen to this. It does say in Revelation 5, 8, 9, of the cherubs in heaven, when he, when, uh, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they give praise to God. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And why do I bring you here, even though it's not talking about believers at this point? The reason I bring you here is because when God delivered them through the, pass, the blood of the Passover lambs, which were just pictures of the ultimate lamb of God, they sang a new song when they got to the other side of the Red Sea. And God put a new song in their hearts, and they used musical instruments. Well, now we have a more glorious deliverance in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's delivered us. And we're not going to be able to sing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with instruments when, and, and ex have expressions of praise. What well, heaven they're doing that, the angels are doing that. How much more should we be doing that? Because guess what? Jesus did not die for angels, it says in Hebrews 2. He died for us, and we should be proclaiming him. Well, well wait a minute, Joe. That's the angels, though. But where does it say that you know Christians can use musical instruments to praise him? 
Well, not just in the battle, not something beyond the church, in the heavenly temple or in the in God's in God's throne room. Listen to what it says in Revelation 15, 1 through 4. Right after God says very clearly in the scripture in Revelation 14, it speaks of those who, if you take the mark of the beast, you're doomed. It's a prophecy. Anyone says who takes the mark of the beast, it's over. It's doomed. You're doomed. And it says, uh, blessed are those who die henceforth in the Lord, and they'll enter the rest. And that's right after it says, you know, it, it calls for loyalty and perseverance on the part of the saints, those who have the faith in Jesus, right? And then what happens? It talks about those in chapter 15 of the book of Revelation on the heels of that who got victory over the beast. They got victory over the beast not through taking the seven mountains and taking over the earth. No, they got victory of the beast by laying down their lives as, a, as martyrs, martyrs, you know, uh, as witnesses for, for Christ. And now they are on the crystal sea in the heavenly temple. And what are they doing? What are the believers got victory over the beast doing? I'll read it right now. We read in verse 2. And I saw something like the sea of glass or a sea of glass mixed with fire and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his, of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God I've got that bolded and they sang the song of Moses the bondservant of God and the song of the lamb saying so this is a new song guys song of Moses and the song of the lamb right great and marvelous are your works O Lord God the almighty righteous and true are your ways king of the nations who will not fear O Lord uh, and glorify your name for you alone are holy for all the nations will come and worship before you for your righteous acts have been revealed it's not just angels but we see and by the way this is really cool I love this because you can say I'm not real musical well guess what <laughs> if you serve the Lord Jesus amen you're going to be able to play and you're not going to be some chubby angel just kind of kicked back and bored in heaven <laughs> man you're going to be worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth and, and you're playing it to be better than any Artists, I believe, on the earth right now, you know, because artists still make mistakes on earth. I don't care how good people consider them. You're going to be playing flawlessly. And I don't think you're going to have to take lessons. I think it's just, you know, you're just going to, it's going to be a blow mine when this takes place. But guess what? Uh, you will be a great singer. Uh, you will be a great player because there's no pain in heaven. So nobody's going to be like, oh, God, that guy, man, that gal. Man, no, I mean, you're, it's going to be incredibly resurrected, beautiful. Uh, resurrected vocal cords, right? Vocal cords, that's right. I just think that's so beautiful and that everybody is going to be singing and praising God. And you know what? That's what's going on in heaven, right? When when, when the saints get there during the tribulation period and, get, and die and so forth. But even, you know, we see these things. It's amazing, Chad, because we pray. I pray this, try to pray this more than once a day. Our Father who art in heaven, because Jesus commanded us to pray and that's a great mm, prayer. Yeah. And by love it, thy, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's his will in the Old Testament for them to praise God and they don't even have Messiah dying for them yet and worship him and sing of salvation. And that's what's going on with the saints, the church, the people of God in heaven for all eternity. But right now, since we're newly redeemed, we aren't really supposed to obey those Psalms which command us to use instruments. And we're supposed to ignore this passage and others that reveal to us that God is a very musical being. We're made in his image and 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 God, I'm going to say this right now, in some sense, it very well may be that God plays or just within his very being, he is, he created Satan with musical uh, percussion instruments in him, according to Ezekiel chapter 28. I pointed out before that uh, the high priest, which is a picture of Jesus, that around his vestment, around his, his robe, is golden bells and pomegranates interspersed. And, and according to Alfred Edersheim, uh, that great uh, commentator, Jewish uh, commentator, uh, made a very melodious sound, you know, when the high priest would walk. The high priest is a picture of Jesus. And he himself, uh, and it would just be beautiful. 
And I believe our high priest, I believe our God sings. I believe we're created in his image to praise and worship him because he sings not to praise and worship us because we're the creature, but he sings over us. Listen to Zephaniah. One of my favorite verses in Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you. I love this. He will exult over you with loud singing. Now, I cannot imagine. I, I have a little bit of idea of what his voice sounds like. Chad, you know what his voice sounds like? Have you ever heard it? It's like the, the, like the sound of many waters. Right. I haven't heard it, but I got the same scripture Chad <laughs> yeah, yeah, has. Yeah. It's like the sound of many waters, and it's loud. Which it's is so beautiful to think about. <laughs> and, and, and those little, those, everything's a dim picture of his glory. Can you imagine in all of his glory? And it's going to be just so, you're never going to be bored. I mean, just hear, you could, you could go spend eternity just hearing him sing. But I think it's powerful because his banner over us is love. And just in the song of Solomon, the bride and the bridegroom sing. I believe there's this relationship to where we worship the Lord and we sing to him and, and thank him for creating us and giving us life. But he sings of his love for us, it says. And his voice is like the sound of many waters. And we should be enraptured in all of this. And, and uh, that's going to be what's going on in heaven. So right now it's important for us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to him and not to forbid that which God endorses. Yeah, I think it's so important. Satan would love that, by the way, because he'd like to keep us from have our music just be boring. (laughs) Yeah, no, and the the not that all acapella is boring. Some of it's really beautiful, but God brings variety. So let's why why forbid the variety that He brings? Yeah, I'm not going to forbid the very things that that God does not forbid, and in fact tells us to praise Him with those very things. Yeah, and so I think that's that's hugely important for us. And when it comes to singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, when it comes to worshiping the Lord, or Whatever it may be, I always think of for people listening to secular music and listening to even, you know, the Bethels and the Elevations and the, the Hill songs and these churches that really aren't biblical in nature and then that'll in Jesus culture as well. And a lot of that will come out even in their lyrics, especially when you're hearing about them talk about the kingdom is different differently than we talk yeah. about the kingdom coming. Them thinking that they will have the biggest revival on earth. There's the Dominion mandate. And Dominion comes out mandate. of their lyrics at times. Or, you know, even you have modalism at times being preached at Elevation Church with Stephen Furtick. So he has mm-hmm. a different view of who the Godhead who is Jesus as well. Is. Different Jesus. You know, and then with Hillsong, you know, an edifice of what, what they're dealing with now with Brian Houston having to step down and so forth. Because or of Jesus culture singing that you can just run away from God and rebel against him, but you'll be good with him even if you're an apostate. Yeah. Or, which is uh, basically Bethel, some of Bethel, Wing of Bethel's music, right? Or in Bethel, they sing about calling on the angels. We're like, we're calling all the angels. It's like, no, we're not ever called to call on the angels. No. We're called to call on the Lord. He could dispatch angels because he's the Lord of hosts, but we're not to call on angels. And that's part of the theology. Chad and I, we did that series on Bethel, and we quote where, you know, Bill Johnson's wife talks about, you know, these experiences where they're calling forth these angels and they talk about one experience where this huge angel has like been buried in the concrete for hundreds of years or a long time and he just comes forth. I've been waiting for someone to wake me up. You know, it's just just bizarre charism- charismania. We, we believe in the gifts. Okay, we're not cessationists, yeah. but it's charismania goes beyond the scripture and will actually open you up to the demonic world. So I'm very concerned and we do not allow in our fellowship, Tony knows it and he's on, par- he's on board with us, we don't have, we won't have the Hillsong music. We won't have, uh, personally, the Bethel, Bethel music. We don't connect them, others who do, but that's our conviction. And there's so much beautiful music And we try to there. convince them to not have it as well. <laughs> it's not Tony. He's convinced. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not Tony, but we try to convince. Others. But yeah. one thing, you know, and, and this isn't important. I know we only got about three minutes here, but this is important to me as well when it comes to the worship that we sing. 
Uh, we were just talking about this, Tony and I, before. Come Thou Fount. And these these two lyrics I absolutely positively despise uh, because it's you sing out, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And to me, those lyrics are not the victory I find in the New Testament. It's, it's one thing to look at the Psalms and read and really see some of them obviously being messianic in their nature, but some of them not yet to the point of the cross where we now have the victory of the cross, the banner that makes us more than conquerors. And I believe our music should be indicative of that, that Amen. victory that we have in Christ. And so often when you hear so much of the worship, it's about how terrible they are. It's like they're stuck in Romans 7, Paul as a Pharisee, or Saul as a Pharisee, before he gets to the winning of getting out of that fleshly body that he's in, that body of death that he has, that is freed through Jesus Christ, who now there's no condemnation because he's laid aside the deeds of the body and no longer is living according to the flesh, or he would have to die. And so you look at all these things and I say, let's get our worship out of Romans 7, because so many songs are just like this, Pro to wonder. Imagine writing this to your wife. This is worse than a love song because I don't hear love songs being like, sorry, I cheated on you. It was so wonderful, but I'm sure I'll be back next week. Yeah. I don't hear that. Okay. What I want to hear are the songs of victory that we have. That's more a than nice conquerors. Voice, by the way. Oh, yeah. The, I don't <laughs> sing that to my wife. Praise God. But it's a reality. We want victory. We want victory in our songs that we sing to the Lord because he has Amen. given us victory at the cross. Absolutely, Chad, well put, because we have the victory. We love him because he first loved us. We're more than conquerors through Christ loved us. Uh, yeah, we should be able to sing about our struggles, but if you are prone to turn away from the Lord, uh, you probably shouldn't be a worship leader. you got to get right with the Lord, and you can talk about how you fell away and you're a prodigal and came back, and now you love the Lord. But we got to be careful because Greg Cooper, he wrote some articles for us, Brother in the Fellowship, neat, neat brother, uh, who, who is he, and what, he wrote a really good article where he quotes song after song that's popular in contemporary Christian music where it's about apostasy and just leaving the Lord but hey everything's fine because you're a God of grace it actually encourages the listener to think hey I can be a rebellion to God does it sound like Paul where he says I beat my body so that after I preach to my others I beat my body down so I myself wouldn't become rejected or disqualified adakamas in the Greek which means to be utterly rejected do without Christ according to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 so uh, we want to make sure our songs are doctrinally pure uh, and it's not just the newer songs. Some of the old hymns are messed up. You know? yeah. uh, so you got to look at everything and make sure it's scriptural. But thankfully, most of the older stuff is really, really good. But you always got to keep your head on a swivel. And we're called to discernment and so forth. But don't use that excuse. Oh, well, I got to weed through and find the right things. I'm just going to listen to Billy Eilish again. No, 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 man. <laughs> God calls you to, to worship him in spirit and truth. You're commanded to. Amen. And uh, we need to worship him in spirit and truth. And I want to encourage you, if you're a leader and you're in a church where they're doing Bethel music and they're doing, uh, you know, Hillsong music and so forth and Elevation music. And there's thousands and thousands of worship songs out there that they can do that aren't from those churches where many of these people are getting involved in mystical experiences and spiritual experiences where they're getting involved in even some of them occult activity. And Satan comes in the angel of light. And I do believe the enemy will seek to use, and he has used music as an angel of light to bring people to a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit. So I'd really encourage you uh, to, to really look into this and watch our series in Bethel if this is kind of new to you just to, to help you out. Amen. And guys, go sing a new song to the Lord and be blessed this week in worshiping Him. God Amen. bless you guys. We love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. 
If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.